Before we get started, we would like to say that there is a trigger warning that comes along with hanging out with the stigma biddies. There will be topics of conversation around mental health and chronic illness, and there may be some topics of conversation that may be hard to be a part of. This week might be one of those weeks that are a little bit sensitive for people. We have my friend Katie on, and we're going to be talking about palliative care. And we're going to let you know what that is if you're not aware. It is a bit of a heavy topic. So it's totally okay if you guys need to skip this week. If something starts to make you feel uncomfortable, go ahead and close out and we'll catch you back next week. So Katie, do you wanna go ahead and introduce yourself? Let us know a little bit about you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. So my name is Katie. Um, I am all over the social media platforms. I love to speak my voice on patient advocacy because I've had a rough journey as a lot of us have. Um, Unfortunately, I've been given a platform of not being able to work and being disabled and looking at that in a, in a different light um, and using my voice in a different way to kind of um, shed the voice on the, the silent. And so um, I do have, I have 99 conditions, I always say, but a B ain't one. I don't even know. It's a joke. You know, one of those things. Um, <laughs> yeah. Palliative care is one of the big things that I really... Um, I love to speak on because it's such an unknown um, form of care in the medical system. So palliative care um, is something that was introduced to me because I have a genetic mutation called vascular ulnar zoner syndrome, which is um, a rare form of Ehlers donor syndrome, PDS, also known as VAD, which is a hypermobility. Um, it, it, there's 15 different types. And so it took a really long time to get to this diagnosis. Obviously, we, we all know with chronic illnesses, invisible diagnoses, it's just, it's, it's one of those unfortunate journeys that we all take. Um, and this one was not one that any of my doctors have ever seen. So they call me the zebra of yeah. the hospital. Um, you know, a lot of my doctors cried, um, but it did, it did result, the diagnosis resulted in a near um, death episode with a, I had a perforated ulcer that and it landed me in septic shock. So it was one of those things where everyone was like, she's fine. She's, you know, constipated. Nope. I was actually dying. Um, and so it was one of those like really hit, hit home things for us. And then, um, it took about eight different medical professionals that really honed in. So I have two primary care. One's the head of rheumatology and one is the chief of surgery at a hospital. They won't let anyone touch me because it's, it was one of those huge unknown and still is conditions. Um, I was actually referred to palliative care because I have so many specialties, so many doctors, so many people that care that adoringly, you know, want the best for me. Um, nobody was looking out for the overall kind of well-being of my quality of life. I think everyone was trying to, you know, understand how to fix it, then um, how to make it better. You know, everyone wanted to do good. Um, I had somebody who recommended palliative care and I, I hadn't heard of it before. And so I, you know, said to my rheumatologist who again is a big nerd, God love all of these doctors, but they're nerds. I said, have you heard of palliative care? And he was like, mm, not really. And like, it was recommended to me by, you know, a friend whose daughter was a nurse and he's like, I'll look into it. And so he actually interviewed doctors for me. And I got the head of hospice and palliative care. Um, so I went to interview with them and they said, bring, you know, bring somebody with you. Um, unfortunately at that time, no family members were able to emotionally be able to come with me. So my best friend came with 
And um, palliative care, really the difference between palliative care and hospice, because hospice sounds really scary when we say that, that's a definite diagnosis of you've got six months to live, or there's a really hard um, end, end of life diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Where, mm-hmm. Yes, where palliative care is more seen as there's no cure, let's focus on the quality of life, um, despite not being able to treat you um, or cure what, what's going on with you, let's focus on the quality of life and ensure that all your ducks are aligned so that you overall um, feel good about your path going forward in your journey, in your medical journey. Um, and mine had gotten to a point where, you know, you go through so many significant medical instances in your life where um, it, it was traumatizing to me. I have complex PTSD mm-hmm. from all of the medical um, things that I went through, you know, unexpected and expected. It just, it was, um, it was tough. And so I met with him and I remember sitting down with him and it was the most incredible experience I think I've ever had. Um, it, it brings me to tears just thinking about him to begin with the first meeting. Cause I remember being so nervous thinking, what is this, what is he going to do? Mm-hmm. And he was, ugh, makes me, I call him Miguel. We go on first name basis. Um, but he, so he does palliative care and hospice. And so he already knew my story. They do their, you know, due diligence. Um, but he, he had spoken to, you know, all my doctors, he knew everything. And he really was just, what can I do to make your life better? And we started talking about spirituality. What is going to help bring me peace? What is going to help, um, make things easier for me? What is, what are my barriers in the community, in my life? and my medical care, it kind of is the overall, um, he oversees kind of the entire medical team in terms of how he can remove barriers for me. Um, and I can give an example, you know, my hospital had a, a pain management um, clinic that that was just kind of their, they have to default patients to a, a pain clinic, yep. which is totally normal. Um, I had gone into the pain clinic for the first time and the doctor, I, I was not a fan. And I'm always a big advocate of, we hire our doctors, they're on our yes. team. And if you are not on my team and you are not on my wavelength of, you know, what is, what is collaborative care and what's my quality of life, you're fired. Um, and he, he was pretty cruel in terms of medical documentation and how he treated me. And I remember just walking out and saying, you're fired, you're not on my team. And he was like, well, I'm the head of the department. And I said, well, good for you. <laughs> you can, you can choose to be the head of the department, but I can also choose to have a voice. And I remember walking away being like, you know, people think that they can just overcome on, on people that are young or, you know, I always got stigmatized for drug seeking or yep. and I'm like, please, I'm in the ER for, for fluids the rest I got at home. I don't want anything else. You know, like I just, I wanted, I wanted to be treated like a human. And so my palliative care doctor even read this pain clinic, you know, note to me and said, wow. And I just said, yeah, not going back to that doc. And he was able to figure out how to, I don't even know what he did, but now I get pain medicine from a rheumatologist. Obviously it's overseen. It's it's very well managed, but it wasn't, it wasn't the right way for me in that terms of a pain clinic, um, especially being in palliative care and having what I have, um, you know, and I threw a fit 
but I threw a fit for the right reasons because it wasn't, it wasn't something that was going to benefit me. You know, he's like, I'm going to hypnotize you. I'm like, hypnotize me. What? No, I'm, you know, you need, you're going to see our psychiatrist. I'm like, I, I'm not going to add four more appointments to my week. You're not even looking for entire quality of care. No, absolutely not. This is not working for, it's not going to work for anyone. Um, and so it was really just advocating for myself and, you know, him documenting in my chart even that I was, you know, sensitive to pain, 15 ulcers and a preference, you know, I am not sensitive to pain, but the hell if you're going to document that, let me document back because mm-hmm. this go with me. And I remember he was just like, will you come back in the office and talk with me? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Unless, unless I have a lawyer and you've got a lawyer present, you are not going to ever treat me that way. And my palliative care doctor was just like, yep, I got your back. I got your back. You know, in every sense of the word of like him just being palliative care is, is just someone who's going, he, he's like my fix it guy. Mm-hmm. Write to him about what's going on. Right. And he doesn't write a prescription. He doesn't, you know, d- none of that, but he helps me piece together how to live a more peaceful life. How can I, um, you know, with COVID, for example, how did I come to peace with being autoimmune high risk? Um, all of yeah. those factors and knowing what we knew at the time um, with my condition and what could potentially happen, you know, and it was literally, he spent, I think four hours with me in two days. I was trying to sign, you know, I, we had to figure out ventilation because, yep. and I want, you know, this is a, a trigger warning for people, but um, based on what we had known and what my doctors were saying is if you were triage, worst case scenario, you wouldn't be a patient that would receive a ventilator. So we had to, I had to make a choice for my family's sake to sign a DNR, to not be ventilated in those conditions, to take Mm -hmm. that emotional um, strain off my family and loved ones, which is a a very difficult thing to process or say, or be normal to anyone. But, um, you know, it, it was very specific purposes. And so my palliative care doctor very much got that. So did my doctors, but they helped me work it out with my family as well, of them understanding why I'm signing in. It's, you know, it's not Katie's choking on shrimp, save her. Mm-hmm. The different circumstance, but it takes, it takes the hard work out of trying to make decisions or letting people who may be emotionally um, trying to make decisions for you in a time of need. Yep. They're already pre-made because we've had a chance to kind of process, decide what our quality of life looks like, um, and have a voice in our own medical care and journey. Yeah, that's definitely what palliative care is, is to give that control back to the patient. You are in control and the focuses are on your social well-being. And that's one you probably didn't expect, you know, your emotional well-being, they are there for your physical well-being, like you said. They're, you know, con- helping you control your pain, but they're also going to look at everything. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very much like it's just a focus. Like palliative care can be as simple down just to it is a focus on quality of life. Absolutely, hundred percent. It's it's how can we make your quality of life, you know, the best possible that yep. I we can in the moment. Um, yeah. And it's and very personalized. It's very, my, my primary care, my rheumatologist was like, I got a thank you email from him. I'm like, for what? And he was like, well, he was very, you know, 
thankful to meet you. I'm like, I'm a nightmare of a patient. He was thankful to have, me, you know, but for some reason he felt inspired by the fact that, you know, I was trying, he, it's that kind of relationship where he, he, you know, was that inspirational to me that I, we were able to have that kind of mutual respect for each other where we want, you know, he wants the best for me. Um, I want the best for myself. And that, that in turn, I think, um, helps physicians, you know, with people that are just struggling, especially in these times in, and not that I'm some miracle patient, but I wanted to get better. And I think being so young with this, I don't think it's easy for anyone to, you know, mm-hmm. hear it or talk about it or see it, um, or treat me, my physicians, but, um, you know, I, I do want to live. I don't, I don't live life like I used to. And he helped me through that. Yep. What do you think has been the most beneficial aspect from palliative care? Spiritual, the spiritual care, finding a purpose. Um, He really told me, you know, Katie, you have to find a purpose. You have to, you have, you know, and I, again, I'm a spiritual person, but I, I had to come to Jesus. I need to find God um, moment. And that was, that was what I needed Mm -hmm. for me. And he, he was so proud of me. Like he's in tears, you know, he's like, I got a documentary to send you, Katie. You'll be so proud. He, you know, he was just glad that I was using, and my purpose, you know, is to try and advocate, do something about what I can't do and do something about what I can do. Like speaking with you guys, um, mm-hmm. what you guys are doing. I've, I've got to figure out how to make, you know, lemonade out of lemons. Yep. So it, it's just, that kind of stuff and me trying to figure that out and working it out with him. And he's like, I, I, I did a documentary. He'll be so proud social media. I'm like, all right, Miguel. Okay. <laughs> but it's, it's that spiritual care of, um, you know, he never pushed it ever, but he was, he was so supportive of how I was going to find that purpose, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeannie, we talked about that a little bit earlier when we were chatting in, in the sense of, um, with suicidal feelings and you really just have to find your why. And, and that's, that's what you're speaking to right now is like, that's, you're figuring out your why and your purpose. And I think as humans, we all need that no matter if we are someone who has, you know, a terminal illness, a chronic illness, or someone who's healthy, you know, it, we all have to have that. And I think what's really wonderful about palliative care is that opens space to let you find where you're going to find it. It's right. not providing you with all the, and, and there may be some options provided to you, but it's not like, Hey, this is, this is what we're going to do. We're going to follow this path. It's mm-hmm. what's your path. What do you need support with? Where do you, where do you want to go? Like, how do you want to manage this? Right. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's, you're right with the mental health, you know, I, I've trigger warning again, I've had suicidal ideation in this journey, um, and chose to get, you know, inpatient help myself. It was a voluntary partial hospitalization, but it, you know, I saw a chaplain in there too said, get a purpose, get a purpose, you know, and it was, how are you going to get it? I don't know, Katie, but you got to find one, mm-hmm. you know, regardless regardless of, you know, what situation you're in, I think we all hit those down points and no situation is better or worse. And in terms of how we see it, but it, it can always look the darkest if we choose to let it look the darkest. So it's finding the light 
and the journey. And that's really, that really is what I would say palliative care is. It's the light in this, you know, a tunnel of medical professionals where it's just like this gleaming Miguel who's just, Katie, what can, what can I do to make your life better? You know, he's writing letters for me, you know, just the term of spiritual, I don't even know, those doctors must be some sort of special to be in that line of work um, and do what they, I just can't even imagine. But the, the care and the, the support and the compassion, regardless of how much they've seen, is just incredible. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard. To me, I mean, I just adore them. Um, I, I can't say more, more about how incredible it is and anybody who's facing something that's chronic um, or doesn't have it doesn't have a treatment option that this is the biggest thing I could advocate for because it will, it will turn you in past you wouldn't even believe. And I will tell everyone that is my biggest eye opener in, in terms of my whole journey is finding palliative care. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's, it's not something that's well known within the medical community, unfortunately, quite yet. Um, but they're, they're there. Um, it's just, it's asking, it's asking for it. Yep. And anyone, anyone can be on palliative care. Anyone. You, you do not have to have a near-death experience. You oh. do not have to ha- have a terminal illness. Like anyone who needs that support can have it. And, and I think that's something that I'd really love for people to take away from this episode is that it is available and it, it is a tool that people should be utilizing more. Absolutely. Unfortunately, I just, I, it doesn't get utilized enough and doesn't get talked about enough. Um, you know, you look at all of the blogs and all of the social media and I never see it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a nurse brought it up to me and I was like, I don't even know what that is. Um, but it's, it is so important in terms of how it can completely transform your medical journey. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, there's a practice in palliative care um, where instead of kind of shying away from the patient's suffering, you just lean toward it. And I'm wondering how, how you experience that in the process. And if you feel that your palliative care, Dr. Miguel was, it really mm-hmm. leans more into it and how that is different than some of your other doctors. In terms of leans into my, to my care, my emotional. Into your suffering. Mm-hmm he hears me, you know, I think it's, and it makes me emotional and I apologize, but it's don't, he validates, um, how, how important my life is. And, you know, we have to make a lot of really big decisions, life decisions, things that pe- people don't think about until they're, you know, much older or don't think about it all in life. And, um, he doesn't take it lightly. Um, and he just, He, he realizes how delicate life is. I think he's seen it. Um, and I think in terms of a patient showing up for palliative care, he knows how much this, you know, people who are showing up want to be here or want to do better or want to be present and, and do better um, in terms of me wanting a better quality of life for myself or wanting to be more happy 
in terms of, you know, relative to all my barriers. And he, um, he leaned into that and he never downplayed it. He never made it small. He never made it insignificant. He never, he never, you know, he always lifted me up and empowered me that he was going to um, support me and, and, you know, do whatever he could to do right by me, regardless of what it was. Um, and, you know, it's whether it been mental health or physical, um, you know, and it was, always, he's always my biggest cheerleader too. You know, even when I hit my lows and then, you know, I would do something for myself or check myself in or, you know, do X, Y, or Z. He was always my biggest cheerleader. Um, the easiest person to get an appointment with next day, which is, blows my mind when you're the head of the department, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I didn't have time, but he leans into, he, he knows how important it is where some doctors, you know, it, it is what it is scheduling wise palliative care. They don't, they don't sit and wait. They know when you're calling or, you know, he's got a specific nurse who knows my name, you know, that I call It's just a different type of care where it's, it's so delicately, his patients are so delicately cared for it's unique to its own. Mm-hmm. So I, they just lean into, I think embracing every part of it, my pain, um, my ups, my downs, my joys, my sorrows, um, but also celebrates my wins with me, mm-hmm. you know, well, and just, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, I just, my biggest question sitting all of this, and if anybody listening, wondering why I've been so quiet, I had no idea what palliative care was until we, you know, <clears throat> started the conversation of Katie coming on and us discussing you know, her struggles and things that she's been through. And that is very much why even before we got started, I was like, Alice, I am taking the back seat on this one because this is a learning week for me. And I feel like that in itself is something that more people need to embrace of. If you don't know something, you need to sit back. You need to let somebody else take that front line and genuinely explain and genuinely give you that insight of, because then it gives you room for questions of, what would be your biggest piece of advice for somebody that's trying to make that switch that wants to get into palliative care that wants to find out more? Um, what was, what would be your biggest piece of advice just going through that journey? You know, for me, it was asking my, uh, my primary care doctor, can I have a referral to palliative care? Um, I know in certain States and with certain insurance, you don't even have to ask for that referral. You can just call, um, every single hospital has a hospice and palliative care department. So know that it exists. It's just finding the number for it. Um, it falls within the hospice family, but everyone has access to it. There's also um, global and US websites and different resources that can be utilized to finding palliative care resources and advocacy. So it's really just, I mean, a lot of people, again, don't know about it, but if you ask for a referral or say, I want to see a palliative care doctor or make an appointment yourself, um, like, like Alice said, anyone can see palliative care. You don't have to have some crazy life experience like I did, but you can also make an appointment. You don't have to always have a referral. Um, and if the doctor is not giving you a referral to them, get a new doctor. Mm-hmm. You can know. you, can you graduate palliative care? Um, no. So palliative care, because it's palliative care, right? There is no hard, 
diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, it may it may transition into something more serious if something were to change. Um, but palliative care is is kind of always in place. It's it's stagnant. It holds all of my kind of life decisions, life choices, my my wishes, all of that. Um, if something were to take a significant change, he would follow with me. So it it could, let's say, um, if something were to take a swift turn in my health, hospice worst case scenario. Um, that's not what my medical condition is is going to turn into, and so it um, it certainly can for some people. I'm sure end up you know hospice, but you don't graduate of care. You you stay and you kind of work through that system. Um, with the same physician throughout. So I, I know that I've got Miguel with me for mm-hmm. the long run. He's stuck with me. Yeah. So it's just a big safety net for your care. It is because there's a lot of things people don't realize. Like if you sign a medical directive or if you have wishes, you know, with your health, yep. that can be overturned very easily by a family member or a loved one. Um, and I, is all the time. I had no idea. And so he was the one who was like, we need to have a family meeting. Otherwise your wishes won't be honored. Um, you know, the thing he brought up things that I was like, I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. He's like, it is, it's very possible. happens all the time. I want to protect your wishes and what you want. So this is what we need to do in terms, you know, to ensure that. So it's very enlightening in terms of just what you're going through that's unique to you and what you want. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they just kind of drive how they can support that and really empower you in those choices. Yeah. It's really just putting you in the driver's seat with a safety net behind you. Yeah. And every type of way that they can, you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. that's that's what they can do. And that's, I think for me, that is the biggest portion of control that I have in my medical journey. And so for me, it's the biggest grace. Yeah. So. Well, thank you for coming on this week and talking with us. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And, um, you know, certainly if anybody has any follow-up questions or whatnot, I know it is, it's a super heavy topic and it's, it is a, a very beautiful thing though. I want, I just want to make that really clear for me. Palliative care has been such a beautiful journey. It's not something that is, um, depressing or mm-hmm. you know a pity story it's really something that I found was so magical magical and beautiful in terms of the scheme of the whole thing and so it was something that I was really um and Alice you know I I, I get really encouraged and uplifted to talk about because yep. it was so beneficial for me and people I think will will be for people all over once it becomes more of the norm versus um the exception and so it really thing, and it's not something to shy away from or be scared of. It's really something to move towards um, and embrace. Make more approachable. Yeah, it, it really is. It's it's something for the patient, for us, especially with no control over a lot of things with mm-hmm. illnesses, we get to have some control back. And that's, um, that is so, what's the word for it? Uh, the validation and just having control in anything, mm-hmm. you know, is, is so beneficial in terms of just mental health, physical, 
those little things that he can give me, it, it may not be medical, it may not be mental health, but he's giving me peace of mind mm-hmm. in other shape, ways, and forms. And so um, for me, it was the most beautiful gift that I could have in my, my journey. It sounds like in a lot of areas, he gives you a voice. He does. And he, um, you know, my end life wishes, what I want medical care, what's quality of life mean to me? And when does that, mm-hmm. when's enough is enough? Um, what, what does that look like in the end now COVID? Um, who do you want to make decisions for you? Who do you not? Um, what, what do they look like? You know, tell me, you know, very much detailing it out to ensure that he understood it so that he could make those choices mm-hmm. versus somebody in an emotional state for me. But he, um, he very much wanted to understand what I wanted. Yep. Love that. I love so much to hear. Cause you know, you just hear so much bad. You just hear so much negative. And yes, we may, we've discussed this before that we talk heavy topics, but ultimately yeah. at the end of the day, we want this to be a light area. Yeah. And, you know, there is light, like you've said multiple times, like there is light to be found in that darkness. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very important that whoever's listening to this, that you take that away, <clears throat> that it is, while it is heavy and it does have heavy sides, palliative care, just medical care in general, um, don't, don't focus on that heavy the best that you can. Don't focus on that heavy because there is light to be found. Mm-hmm. And there's a palliative care that helps you carry the heavy. You know, there's, there's different ways because it is heavy regardless of however you look at it, right? And, you know, nobody's trying to take that away, but palliative care does lighten the load or, you know, there are different ways to, to have outlook and perspective on it once you kind of can reach your arms around and you can't do it alone. And that's where you call in people like palliative yep. care to kind of, you know, support you and lift you up as best you can in, in situations that we get put in. So what do you guys hope that everybody takes away from today's episode? Kitty. I, you know, I'd really be interested in what you guys hope the people take away from it because I've got my own feelings on it and it, they're selfish to me. So I'm really interested to hear what you guys hope people take away from the community because, you know, I, I live it. So mm-hmm. it'd be really great to just hear feedback on, on what you got from it. Um, I would say as someone who this was honestly the learner course for me, I would say, number one, once again, another beautiful resource that had absolutely no idea that existed. And now I'm so glad that I know it, that I, because there are people in my life who can benefit from knowing things like that, you know, and, um, you know, we discussed the DNA swab last week. Like I had no idea that these things existed until we came in this space, Um And I think whereas into terms directly with palliative care, like I think it's important for everybody to know that there are resources out there and, you know, you may not be with the person that's going to give you a voice, but there is somebody willing to be your voice. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, this was like a, a passion project as a death doula. Um, this is definitely something I'm really passionate about. And I just want, I want people to not be afraid of palliative and hospice care. I want people to know that it is 
only there to help. It is, it is not there to bring the, the dark and dreary to you. It is there to provide emotional, spiritual, social support to you. Yeah. Hopefully I spoke, I spoke to that because you did. Absolutely. You definitely did. I think you, you, you summed up, um, an entire course that I just took in, in, in explaining it. So I think you did great over here. Yeah the feedback guys and thank you so much you definitely explained it in a way though that a newbie like I was just so intrigued and I'm sure my face at some points didn't portray that very well but I promise that I was genuinely genuinely intrigued and just soaking it up like a sponge because this is just new and it's it's amazing that even now in today's time that there are still things that are new to people Absolutely. I really appreciate you guys being, you know, so open to sharing this type of stuff with the community. I mean, it's just so, it's so silent and it's, it shouldn't be, you know, these are things that are very easily accessible to people like us that need them. Um, you know, that we, we, we can tap into. So thank you for bringing more, um, awareness to this. I appreciate you guys so much. Yeah. Thank you. And where can everybody find you, Katie? Ta social media everywhere all of the medias katie is the illest it's it's just my you know my my way of i don't even know alice it makes no sense (laughs) yeah well you know uh at first i thought that was in reference to dance because that's how i first saw you I don't think I first found you through chronic illness. I first found you through dance. So uh, once I realized you you were a spoonie, it was a little bit more funny to me. <laughs> that is exactly why it's Katie is illest. You know, I get to play worlds. Yeah. But yeah, Katie is illest is, is where you're going to find me on social media. So you'll Great. see a bit of. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank for hanging out with the biddies this week, everyone. We'll catch you next time. All right. Bye. Thanks. Thank you.